We are always so happy to welcome Lee Jeter back to our pulpit. Um, he is a lifelong resident of Shreveport, Bossier City. He's a 20-year veteran of the US, United States Marine Corps. Um, and before he came to the Fuller Center, he served as program director of Shreve Corps at Shreveport Green for 11 years. Um, his extensive community service and mentoring has centered on encouraging citizens of all ages to take an active role in improving and enriching the communities in which they live and work, which he does every day. And we are so happy to have you here. Please welcome Lee Jeter. pleasure to be here and I feel so welcome when I come to All Souls and the team and Barbara and, to the, and Tara staff is very very welcoming and inviting and I see my wife and my daughter showed up today <laughs> they slipped in on me I was expecting them but I didn't see them so I'm glad that they're here today you know I've been struggling uh, with this message, Barbara, ever since we talked, I think it was in January, and we put this date on the calendar. And the Lord has put some things on my heart to, to share with you. And, and, and often when he gives you a message, he doesn't always tell you how he wants you to present the message. <laughs> and so I think that's what I've been struggling with today and exactly how to, we present this message. And we know there's a parable in Luke that we talk about in the parable in Luke, you know, in the 14th chapter of Luke and the 10 verses says, but when you're invited, go and sit in the Lord's place so that when he who invited you comes in, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. And, and often when we look at that parable, Luke, we, we think of some invited guest being invited to our party, our situation. And, and we've all been to those places where we've been invited and you see the reserve tables and the reserve placards on the table and you see your name sign on the table and, and you feel good that you've got a place of honor. But that's not that's not where we're coming from with this message. We're not talking about the honor and, 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 and material things that we have in life that give us that place of honor. But what about those that are not invited to the table? What about those that don't have a seat at the table? You know, we work a lot in the social justice arena and Sometimes we make policies and, 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 and laws and we don't invite those that are affected by the policies, by the laws. We don't invite them to the table. And we need to. You know, I, I look at this, this assembly here today and, and, and I look and, and I can probably count and I know the younger kids are gone in their classes, but I wonder about the 20 to 30 year old generation. 
that are missing from our services, that are missing from our, our faith assembly. And I wonder, sometimes are they missing because they don't feel like they have a place at the table. You know, it's one thing that we can switch up the songs that we sing and, and introduce more modernization of the songs, but what about in the leadership? What about in the board of deacons? What about in the board of directors? What about having them on the trustees board? What about incorporating their ideals and, and, and some of their thoughts in, into the congregation, into the church? And I wonder, is that why we have so many 20 to 30 something young adults today that are moving away from what we call traditional church. And it's, it's food for thought. But also, I wonder when we talk about social justice issues, when we talk about prison reform, and, and most recently on March 1st, we had a new initiative that went in effect that gave all formerly incarcerated individuals that was not on probation or parole the right to vote. And I'm saying, wow. It took 2019 for us to realize that there were individuals that was disenfranchised because of a mistake that they made in their life. And, and we're just now getting them where they can actually begin to feel like they're citizens again, where they can have that right to vote. But do you know, you know, I'm on the Board of Election of Supervisors in Bossier Parish, and, and I proposed this question uh, to my registered voter. And I asked her, I said, how many individuals do we know right now that are currently incarcerated, or, let me rephrase the term, in jail, and Caddo or Bossier that are waiting trial, that have never been convicted of a crime, that have the right to vote, but because they're in jail, their right to vote is not exercised because nobody wants to go through the process of the paperwork of faxing the ballot over and having someone from the administration sit with that individual and, and make sure that they understand that even though they're in jail awaiting trial, they haven't been convicted. They're not on an order of probation or parole. They're still citizens and they're presumed innocent until proven guilty and they still have a right to vote. In about 10 years, we can only remember one person that actually was waiting trial, that actually requested a ballot. And he happened to have been incarcerated uh, in jail in Cattle Correctional Center, and they actually accommodated the Register of Voters Office to make sure that individual had the right to vote. But can you imagine in Bossier and, and Cattle how many people in jail today are waiting trial that are not on probation, not on parole, haven't violated anything, but they're innocent. And don't realize that because they're in jail, they still have a fundamental right to vote. And we're getting someplace with this message, we're going someplace. You know, we live in a country, historically the richest country in the world, but we have some, what I call some oxymorons, some things that shouldn't be some paradox. We have over 78.6 million Americans 
that have been diagnosed and, and, and has becoming a national epidemic uh, with obesity. It's a problem in America. But in this same America, we have this abundance of obesity. We've got over 40 million Americans and 12 million of them are children that are living in food insecure situations that they don't have enough resources to provide adequate food, to put food on the table, nutritious and valuable food on the table for their families. So on one hand, we're, we're, we're too fat, we're obese, and on the other hand, we're, we're not able to provide enough food for those people that are in our country literally starving at both ends of the spectrum, and we've got to change some things. We can talk all day about prison reform. We can talk about voting rights. We can talk about gun control. But unless we bring those to the table that are affected by this issue, then we're only making policies and procedures based upon what we think is best for the rest of you. And what we think is best for us. I'm working with a young lady now that was released out of a federal prison system. And she's working with both. Voice of the experience. But I'm also working with a young man that was released from David Wade Correctional Center out of the state system. And it's two different systems. She came out of the federal, he came out of the state. And the way they come out is completely different. The processing is different. The education is different. How do we get those individuals a voice at the table as we're talking about prison reform and, and job and citizenship for those individuals that are being released from prison? How do we get them to have a voice at the table so they can tell us firsthand what it's like inside the system? I cannot tell you what it's like to be inside of a federal prison system because I've never been incarcerated there. I can't tell you what it's like to be deprived of freedom 24-7 and be locked up inside a state prison facility because I've never been there. So it is unfair for me to kind of set policy and say, well, this is what ought to happen. This is what ought to happen when they're being released when I don't know really what goes on when they're coming out. I need to have those individuals at the table sharing what actually goes on so that we can make policies and procedures that's effective for those that are affected by the situation. I'm my board of directors, and, and we had we we troubled with this at the Fuller Center for Housing of Northwest Louisiana. Our goal is to build homes for low-income working families. But at one time, we did not have any families that was in our homes on our board of directors. And the reason we didn't have any families is because we had a monetary contribution that, that you had to make to be on the board of directors. You had to make a monetary contribution to the organization because you had to show our donors and others that you believed in the mission of the organization and you were ready to put your money where your service was. But none of those individuals that were sitting on our board of directors were in poverty. 
None of them had been through our process of applying for a home. None of them had to do 350 hours of sweat equity. None of them had to wait 18 to 36 months for us to raise the money to build them a home. So we needed individuals that were homeowners, applicants that had been through the process, sitting on our board of directors that will help us know what they went through on the process so that we could make sure that we're better serving those that we're called to serve, to meet their needs. And how do we do this? And this is something that we struggle with individually and as churches. How do we line our faith up with our work? How do we invite those to the table and how do we live out what we practice every day 24-7? Should we not take our faith into our workplace? Or is our faith just confined to when we come to these sanctuaries and to these walls and we just bring our faith here, we leave it here and we drop it right here and then we go out into the world and our faith does not line up with anything that we do in our business place. We don't bring people to the table at our businesses that need to be at the table. You know, I had the pleasure of listening to a young lady speak. And she wanted to be in the entertainment industry. She wanted to be a, a media entertainer. But she was very, very religious. Had a lot of faith in everybody. Well, that's not the career you want to go in. That's not the field you want to go in. That field is corrupt. You're going to have to do things that you don't want to do. Well, what God is telling you, you can sit at the table. You don't have to compromise your faith and your belief to sit at the table. Matter of fact, you're needed at the table. You're needed at the table so that you can point out things that are not correct. And ensure that all of our values and our faith is lining up what we process to be in this great nation of ours. We need people at the faith in all industries. We need people at the table that care about those that are disenfranchised. We serve a Lord. My God, that, that knows all things are possible. But he doesn't turn any away from his table. You know, I'm reminded that every time we have service at, at, at our church, at the end of the service, and a lot, of, a lot of other churches, they open the doors and invite anyone to come. To come based on your belief of our Lord and our Savior and our faith. But are we really inviting everyone to come? See, Jesus truly lived out what God mandated him to do. See, the woman that was at the well, the Sumerian woman that were different, that he wasn't supposed to relate to, he was open and inviting to her. The woman that was caught in the very act that was brought to him, that was caught in the very act of adultery. He said, let them that have no sin cast the first stone. He was opening up, invite all of us to the table. 
So my question is how do we incorporate our faith into our business? How do we incorporate our faith into our workplace and to everything that we do so that everyone has a seat at the table and it's not me dictating and kind of control the environment for everyone else? Susan mentioned that tomorrow there's a, there's a meeting at 2 o'clock at the State Fair in the Skybox on Louisiana Prison Alternatives, and they're talking about some housing issues. And, and, and I've been invited to that meeting, and I'm going to go. But I, I wonder if, if Charles is going to be that, at that meeting. See, Charles is an individual that was recently released from prison that don't have a place to stay. And we're talking about housing for ex-offenders, and we're talking about losing a prison reform and how we're now no longer the prison capital of the world, that we're now number two behind Oklahoma. <laughs> and we're celebrating. <laughs> and, and we saved all of this money that's supposed to help those that was previously incarcerated. But it's been three months and Charles just found a job. Just found a job last week. Still doesn't have any way to pay back fees to get a driver's license. There's some other issues still can't get banked. You know, how do we create policies and procedures based upon our belief that we're inclusive of everyone? So when, when, when I look at this, this scripture of this, this invited guest going to this table, this place, this parable that Jesus is telling us about, it's not just about social issues, uh, where we at on this hierarchy, uh, whether we can go to the table as a guest and how we ought to act and how we ought to behave, but I believe he's talking about something greater. You know, we know his thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts, much greater than our thoughts. So maybe we need to think of something different. Maybe we need to think of inviting others to the table that we don't see at the table. That it's not about how much money you have, not about how many degrees that you have. It's not about who your friends are, what social connections you have, but what can you bring to the table of substance? Give me your poor, give me your blind, give me your lame, give me your maimed. Give me those at the table so that everybody's included so that we can have a, a world that is truly built on a belief that all men are created equal and we're all endowed with certain principles and rights and fairness. When you read Luke again, don't look at it it's just about a feast. When you look at Luke, examine yourself and ask yourself, am I inviting the right people to my meeting to the right table? Are we including the young people in our congregation? Are we including them at the table? Are we considering them so that we can grow them in a Christian environment that we would like to grow them in? There's so much more than this lesson teaches other than a, a parable about dinner and, and having lunch and eating. There's just much more that God wants us to know and to do with those that are so disenfranchised. He wants all men and all women and all children to be drawn into him regardless of how we in society would like to label them and put labels on folks and stigmatize folks because of this or that. 
All people are working at this table, this table that the Lord has provided for us. So, what I vow to do is to make sure that, that I'm inviting the right people to my table. Not because of what they can do for me, but because of what their invitation can do for them. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you and to give you food for thought, but this is something that we're still working with and we're struggling with as a society as we evolve. We're nowhere near what we ought to be, but I'm blessed that we're making strides, but we can do more and we can do better and we need to do more, we need to do better, and we need to be more inclusive of everyone. See, the last time y'all saw me, I was in a coat and a tie, See, this is a new me. See, I'm dressing down now. I'm trying to make sure that, I, that I, everybody is welcome. You know, so many people can't put on a suit and a tie and go to worship or go to a job interview. So we have to, we have to take a seat back. We have to step back so that we can be more inclusive to them. Barbara, thank you. Thank you all so for the invitation. It is my pleasure to be in here. Let me pray. May the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide in us and with us and through us forever and ever until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.